This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Welcome back. Super excited to be here with my friend Greg Tackett. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the, the Comeback podcast is designed to talk about stories of in- inspiration and of hope. Um, and we're, you know, the thing that I found about our culture, we're just drawn to that. I mean, whether it's Rocky movies, I don't care if it's Rocky one or Rocky 18, if I'm watching TV and I come across one, like I'm just immediately drawn into that, even though every storyline is the same, even though I know exactly how it's going to end, I've watched it 500 times, but there's just something about that. I think that resonates in our culture with so many of us who have had our backs against the wall and have had to walk through adversity when it's seems like maybe all hope was lost but we we know that 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 there is still a better day and a better life ahead of us um you know whether it's sports movies or underdog stories or whatever it might be we just seem to really love that you know greg has an incredible story and i don't know all the details of the story what i do know about greg is is that my dad used to work for for your dad and right. doing consultant work Scouting and checking cotton? Yep, and and just seeing the the excellence whenever I would ride with my dad and and he would let me work during the summer and um, I know that you were raised in a family of excellence and uh, you know and I've gotten to know you a little bit over the past few months and uh, there's just so much what you are willing to do and I think that's another big part of today is that. We want to see people walk out of whatever has a a grip on their life, but the reality is, it's like it takes real practical steps that a lot of people don't want to do. And you did that, man. If you would just share your story with us, okay. Thanks, Trey. Yeah, I, you know my background. I have nothing in my background would lead me to be an alcoholic. I don't think I grew up with a loving family. Uh, grew up on a farm in rural Mississippi me and my sister that's two years younger than me and you know I just wasn't around alcohol growing up I can remember my dad um, having a few beers when he would fry fish but he just we didn't keep beer in the house and you know I just he just worked all the time and you know my mom might be an alcoholic but we can't tell because we've never been able to get her to drink sorry mom just kidding (laughs) But, uh, no, I don't think, as far as I know, my mom's never tasted alcohol in her life. And, you know, we just didn't grow up around it. I went to Clarksdale Baptist Church and Clarksdale Baptist School, my sister and I, and we went through elementary there and, um, you know, very involved in the church. I grew up in a Christian home. We can't say we were at church every Sunday, but we were there most Sundays and, um, you know, we just had the perfect childhood, I would say, and I think my sister would say that too. My dad really didn't have any hobbies but work, and the one hobby he had was camping and fishing. He liked to troll for crappie or crappie in Georgia. <laughs> Y'all may call them crappie. We call them crappie call here. Them <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we would go to Enid Lake, which is about an hour from our house in the summer, and camp out and fish and. Where we went was a dry county. It's still a dry county today. So we, we just wasn't around alcohol growing up. Well, I went to our alma mater, Lee Academy, in the seventh grade to play sports. You know, when I was in high school, 
I just still wasn't exposed to drinking and drugs. I mean, I worked, I played basketball and baseball, and I hunt and fished, and that was my life. And I just wasn't, I was very shy, extremely shy uh, growing up. So I just wasn't exposed to the normal high school things. And when I was in high school, I still was in the youth group at Clarksdale Baptist and still, you know, I was close to God all through high school and prayed every night and, you know, just, uh, just, just had a great upbringing. My first drink was my high school graduation. My first date, my first dance, and my first drink was my prom night. Okay. I had to be fixed up on the date. <laughs> that's so right. that's how shy I was. You know, I experimented with alcohol that night, and then I went to Delta State, our alma mater. When I got to college, I just had the typical guy college, you know, drinking and socializing. and But I've always, from day one tended to drink too much. I couldn't have one or two. That's always been, you know, I'm going to drink. I'm, I wasn't done drinking until I was done drinking, so to speak. You know, I graduated college, and if I would have stopped drinking when I graduated college, I would have told you that alcohol is the best thing that ever happened to me because I made so many friends because of drinking, because of my shyness, and it allowed me to come out and meet people. And I would have never met my wife in college. You know, I never would have met my wife because I never would have talked to her. Right. I really wasn't. That's how shy I was. So, um, but I graduated Delta State. I wound up marrying my wife, and uh, we started a family um, and uh, moved back to the farm. And um, in my 20s, when my kids were young, I just... You know, I didn't drink a lot. It, my, my progression of alcoholism was just kind of gradually, slowly building over 30 years. Most of the time, I'd say in my 20 or 20s and 30s, when I did drink, it was usually at a party. And most of the time, you know, my friends thought I was the life of the party, and my wife thought I was the village idiot. <laughs> you know, and I would do something to embarrass her. Right. And uh, that's kind of the way it went you know, there, but, uh, so, you know, I just stayed so busy, you know, on the farm and everything. And as my kids got older, you know, I'd say when I got about 40, when my kids, my drinking, social drinking kind of picked up, escalated, I guess. And really when, uh, my youngest son graduated high school, when my kids were growing up, um, I never drank if they had a game. And I never drank if I had to work. So I've always been able to put work and family before my drinking. So I stayed busy when I wasn't on the farm. I was going to ball games. And when my youngest son graduated four years ago, that's when I think it really picked up a lot because I had so much more free time. I just had a lot more more time to be to myself and I want to just jump in right here because you bring up an interesting point, and I really wanted to say more about this on the intro, is that when when people think about substance abuse or drinking, getting out of control, or you know any different way that you can say that, m- most people think about somebody that has 
you know, filed bankruptcy. They are, you know, they're, they're just, anybody can look from 10 miles away and say, okay, that, that is a walking disaster. Right. When in reality, that yeah. the majority of people would have looked at, at your life or anybody would have looked at your life, still would have said, that is, by, by all practical purposes, that, that is the definition of success. You're living the American dream. You're right. not upside down financially. Right. Like, you're doing incredible. Yeah. But yet, you know, there's still this this unmanageability that's going on in, in yeah, your life. Yeah, I've been a functioning alcoholic for 30 years, and I've been able to live a normal life, normal family. But when I did drink, you know, a lot of times I would go too far, and I would do stuff to embarrass my family, and I would be ashamed of it. And, you know, and then, you know, the next time I had a chance, I would do it again. It's just right. like a – but I've been – I'm lucky in that sense that it didn't just ruin my life but it still inside affected me, you yeah. know. And, you know, all of this time's going on, even though I had turned my back on God, when I got to college, from then on, when my kids were young, we had them in, you know, church. But we were going to church because it was a thing to do. I never was close to God like I was till I graduated high school. And... Uh, you know, I knew, you know, even though I'd turned my back on God, I knew he hadn't turned his back on me. I knew he was waiting on me to get right, so to speak, come back to him. And mine was just a 30-year of progression that, you know, just kind of built and built and built. And, you know, when my youngest son uh, graduated high school, um, I just had so much more free time. Like, both of them played basketball, so the winter, my slow time is three months November, December, January, and I don't hunt and fish anymore, so I don't have that to occupy my time, and sports occupied my time. That's over when they graduated. was finding myself going, waiting on 3 o'clock so I could go to the bar. Wow. And alcohol, my work had always still, alcohol has never interfered with my work, but because I always put my work first, but I was starting to put alcohol in front of my family. And it was becoming second to my, you know, behind my work. And when I should have been doing stuff with my family, you know, I was at the bar. Yeah. And, you know, I would, and I never had the drive to drink. It was always social. If I didn't have work or didn't have anything to do with the family or something going on, I would drink. Yeah. And then it became, you know. You could feel that, yeah, right? Really, family starting it, to yes. take a take And a I would be, seat. you know, I didn't want to. You know, I would during the winter when I didn't have anything to do, I would, you know, wait until 3 o'clock so I could go to the bar, yep. you know, because I didn't want to go at lunch because alcoholics go at lunch. That's so right. I'd wait to 3. <laughs> and then, you know, I'd be at the bar and kind of just kind of got this past winter, you know, I'm sitting at our local bar and I'm the only guy in there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and it just, I don't know. I didn't, you know, they say, you know, you hit bottom. I'm just lucky that. I didn't hit bottom. I just could see it progressively getting worse, and it came to a point. I knew it wasn't going to get any better, yeah. and I know in 10 more years, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. So I just decided it was time to do something. And and, that, and that's another term that I think that, that people, you know, you hear about this this arbitrary term, bottom, and, and I get it. You know, it, it takes what it takes, but if people can see – Okay, I'm I'm sitting in a bar at three o'clock by myself, 
you know, and, and you to be able to understand of saying, I, I don't have to lose my marriage. You know, there doesn't right. have to be a divorce and there doesn't have to be this this absolute train wreck that right now, you know, I, I can still go ahead, hit the e-brake and, and, right. and get this thing back. And, it's, right. and, it, and it takes, you know, willingness, humility. I mean, all of those those elements to, to be able to see real change. And I'm sure it was uncomfortable for yeah. you. Yeah. And I could see, like, even the farm. And, I, you know, it's never interfered my, with my work. And, and that's my livelihood. And, I, you know, I think part of mine that I, it went on so long is I'm, I'm my own boss. So if I work for somebody, you know, I don't think I would have got to the point I did because, you know, I didn't have anybody to hold me accountable. Yeah. I just, uh, you know... Wasn't worried about, you know, my occupation, self-employed. I'm my own boss. Who cares what people think? So, you know. Yeah. So, but I could, I knew that it was, you know, I would get to where I would try to leave work early or, you know, I did my job and everything, but I was, alcohol was becoming more and more important in my life and wanting to get my work done so I could get to the bar. Yeah. So I just knew it wasn't going to get any better. It wasn't going to do nothing but get worse and... Like I said, I have a loving wife, two loving boys, and I got. I'm lucky. I'm so fortunate to have a loving family yeah. all around that cares about me. Because if I didn't have all that, I mean, I'm not gonna say I would, but I mean, you know, what I might be on the street living in a gutter. You know, I'm, I don't know what. You know, my wife has put up with a lot of stuff. Um, I love her. I thank her. We've been together 30 years. Uh, my friends tell her all the time that she's earned her wings in heaven, yeah. been with me for 30 <laughs> years, and I can't argue. But I'm so lucky to have a loving family that grounds me and but you know and supports me. But you know, it just got. I could see the writing on the wall, so to speak, and that's when I called Cliff because I knew you know he was involved and. Yeah. He told me about good landing. Since you moved out of Clarksdale, I really hadn't kept in, you know, I didn't keep in touch and didn't really know much. And I just knew that Cliff had been, you know, that. So, mm-hmm. um, but, and then he told me and then I contacted you and, you know, it was the best three months of my life. It really was. I think I told you in my speech, it's the most comfortable I've ever been, I've ever been because I've got a family, I got work, I got so many people depending on me. I could finally focus on me. I had three months to focus on me and get myself right, and it was just awesome. That's incredible. That is a that's a that's a big deal. And I, you know, I think too. I mean, people are going to hear this podcast all over the nation, and and I can't even even imagine what the number is of of guys, of dads, husbands that that are sitting in the same place that you were. And know that there's more. There's more that they can get out of family. There's more that they can get out of life. You know, t- talk a little bit about you know to get to that point where you actually had to make the decision. You know, we live in a small town, Clarksdale. I mean, everybody knows that 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 just you know people love to talk and right. they love to try to figure out what you know what yeah. they can gossip about or whatever. Right. And still living in that environment of saying, hey. It's worth it that I've got to make make some big bold moves to be able to reposition myself and yeah I've never looked at rehab as a stigma yeah you know I just haven't if you you know if you have a cold you go to the doctor if you have a drinking problem you go get help and 
you know, I just, I'm proud of it. You know, I got my diploma. I don't, you hadn't been to my house, but my wife framed it and it's on my living room counter. You know, I'm proud of putting in the three months and I'm proud of going through what I did. I have a six-year-old granddaughter that I got to where I was spending time drinking when family stuff was going on, like my wife and kids and granddaughter. And I should have been with them and I knew that, but Alcohol was just taking over my life and becoming more important. Yeah. It's just what I felt like I had to do. No different than going to the doctor. I wanted to get help and I got help. Yeah. So that's the way to look at it. Right. And it should be. Yeah. I mean that there's really no other way to to look at it and to attack it. And I think that's why you got freedom. You know, it's it's one and done. It you know, you you have um regained what God has given you and and taken hold of that. And I think when people can have that mentality and not be confused about um, the condition that they're in, not being in denial of being able to see that early on of saying, hey, this doesn't get better. I know that just one day magically I'm just going to wake up and everything's going to be like it used to be. It's going to get worse. And you make that decision. And I think even now, you know, just sitting here as you were talking of your willingness to take time out of your day whenever I know you have a million things that are going on to say, I'm going to tell my story because I know this is our greatest weapon that as other people hear this, that they're going to be able to find hope and say, hey, I can I can take those same steps that Greg took. Yeah. And I've just never been thin skinned. I'm, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's right to say I don't care what people think about me. You know, I don't care if they, you know, he's at rehab or you know, whatever. I don't care. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, uh, I know that I needed help and wanted to get help, and I, you know, got help. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And like I said, it's the best decision I ever made in my life. And, you know, I don't, when I was there, I guess about a week before I graduated, my wife called me and she said, Well, are you ever coming home? <laughs> so she, she said, So I guess she thought I loved Good Landing more than her, but, <laughs> but she is so proud of me and she knows, you know, it's made our family you know, so much better and just life is great now. I'm just, yeah. thank you so much. So it's been an honor. It's been an honor to serve you, your family. And, um, you know, just, just to know you, it's just an honor to know you just, I mean, I think there's so much that's being, you know, transferred and, and, and so much good truth and information that you've just shared just on your perspective on life, you right. know, that you've got that, um, I mean, I want to stay in that place and just the freedom of, of not caring what other people think. And, and, and I'm going to live my absolute best life and, you know, what God gave us. So, right. Anything else? Any final thoughts for anybody? I guess not. I just thank you for letting me share my story. And I hope my story will influence other people to seek help if they need it. Yeah. You're natural. We need to do part two soon. <laughs> thank you. I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.